hello, everybody, and welcome to the newest episode of Tap Outs and Touchdowns. As always, it's your guy, Bully Rye, back at it again. Wherever you may be, however you may be listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Presented by Anchor Podcasts, now available on YouTube and every week on the Tobacco Road Sports Radio Network. Make sure you like and subscribe wherever it is that you're listening and leave a review to help others find the show. A quick reminder where you can find the show on social media, on Twitter at Tapouts and TDs, at Facebook.com slash Tapouts and Touchdowns, and the email to the show, Tapouts and Touchdowns at gmail.com. And make sure you search for our YouTube channel as we have new content coming soon on that platform. Uh, Bully Rye here. We got a fun show for you. And, and having said that, let's go ahead and bring the wrestling show co-host to tap out some touchdowns, PJ Steven. PJ, how you doing today, bud? Oh, just great. You got me up early in the morning for some reason. The sun is up, the goats are out, the dogs are out, and I'm already drinking. It's a good day. It's a wonderful day. I can't wait to talk to you about one of my favorite subjects. It is some of the best subject of pro wrestling you can talk about. It's a very extreme subject, and boy howdy, am I glad to be here. Here's yeah, here. yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know, when we're on the golf course, we call these things breakfast beers. So there's nothing wrong with having a beer at. We're recording at 10.30 in the morning. Ain't nothing wrong with that. No, nothing uh, wrong at all. Nothing wrong yeah. with uh, with playing golf uh, unless you fuck chicks, you know? Uh, have you seen that? <laughs> so listen, we can have that conversation off the air. But No, you know what? Uh, Tiger Woods puts down puss. No argument about that. Yeah. And John Daly, who drinks all the Diet Cokes, I'm sure he slays too. So no oh, argument. John Daly. Oh, man. John Daly. We could have a whole podcast about John Daly. What a what a, a stud that guy is! But like you said, uh, we're gonna switch from the mild uh, the mild sport of golf to the extreme sport of professional wrestling, and, and the extreme uh, being the emphasis on this week's show because we're gonna talk about the lasting legacy of extreme championship wrestling, otherwise known as ECW. Uh, we're not gonna go the the you know, general format this on this week's show. We're just going to have a general discussion about ECW. Uh, PJ, what was your first introduction to ECW? Wendy, was was the first time you remembered seeing uh, ECW? So the first time I can remember hearing about ECW was probably um, the invasion angle in 2000, 2001, whenever oh, it was. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, but... That's when I started really noticing that ECW was on like was on the same kind of playing field in terms of fan base for WWE and WCW at the time. However, early in my life, I can remember watching Sabu and Terry Funk uh, born to be wired, the barbed wire match. Oh uh, yeah, I was a fan of Terry Funk, had always followed Terry Funk and loved him in these, uh, WCW and WWF as well, but I never saw his ECW work. And uh, <laughs> I used to have a website called, I have a website, I used to use a website called Bear Share where I would um, pirate Bear movies Share. And, yep. yeah, pirate movies and songs and all that. Well, I would pirate wrestling matches every now and again too if I could find them. And one of the ones I found one time was Terry Funk and Sabu in the barbed wire match. And I found it just insane the shit that was happening you know sabu tore his uh i think it was his, uh, his thigh very or maybe it was his bicep it was his bicep yeah his bicep very, got very caught deep. in the in the in the barbed yeah. wire rope and, it, and he, he had to a, rip it out of his arm yeah, he, yeah. He, had to, he had to rip it and then he had to tape it up and he continued the match um yeah insane stuff i loved it and that's when i started realizing guys like rob van dam i started looking at guys like sabu and tommy dreamer and taz and that was when I really started falling in love with ECW because I had always wanted to be the different kid in school that was talking about, you know, heavy metal bands that a lot of people were not into, like Blind Guardian and Iced Earth and even Iron Maiden at the time. Uh, <clears throat> you know, and so when people were talking about ECW or talking about WCW or WWF, I would say, well, did you see on ECW? Like, you know, Tommy Dreamer, he became the ECW champion and finally beat Raven. What? 
Yeah, who what? Talking about? You know, who's, so, yeah, who's Tommy Dreamer? Yeah. Like I know so Raven was from, always super yeah. fun, and uh, I like I like that aspect of it that it was different. So that's when I started really getting into ECW. So my first soiree into ECW, uh, you know, I wouldn't even call it a soiree. My first exposure to ECW was hearing somebody talk about it. And I was in, there was a, like a computer class that I took in middle school. So either sixth or seventh grade. Right. We had internet access. This is when um, you still had dial up for those Gen Z folks who don't know what dial up is. Yeah. Um, but the internet, but, but the schools had some sort of fat at that point, it was fast speed internet. So you could, you could get on the, the internet and look stuff up. And I went to, uh, I guess it was ecwwrestling.com uh, because I wanted to check out what people were looking, you know, we're talking about. And um, I felt like I was looking at a pornographic website. Like it was, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to get suspended. Like I need to get off of here. And being a kid, and I'll, let's be honest, um, I was a pretty straight edge kid, especially at that time. Um, I was terrified of getting in trouble. And so ECW was not it for me right then and there. I'm like, oh my God, this stuff is, this stuff is hardcore. I'm, I'm a, I'm a little pussy. Like, I'm not going to, no way. You know? <laughs> so, um, so as time goes on, obviously, um, you know, we hear more about it. And then I remember catching ECW on TNN, which we'll get into here in a little bit. And that was my first exposure to what ECW was. And it just felt like uh, a really low budget, but high energy show. Like it almost to me reminds me of the, uh, I mean, it, it pretty much was, it was the production value of what impact wrestling has now with the crowd of maybe an AEW show. Um, I mean, the crowds on these, these ECW on TNN shows were <clears throat> always wild. And eventually they would actually take it on the road. And even the, um, even those those road shows, uh, you know, were were, were ruckus crowds, and, and so um, I, I didn't I didn't stay up with it because it came on at Friday nights at ten o'clock, and by that point, um, you know, when I was a kid, I was I was probably playing video games or out with my friends. Uh, so yeah, so my my first exposure with ECW was was that early. I didn't really get into it and really acknowledge what ECW did for the business until, until much, much later, uh, probably to your point with the invasion angle. I mean, you, you remember seeing guys leaving ECW to show up on WWE. Yeah, I don't know if you remember this, um, but it was, it was one of the biggest things they talked about in the, uh, the rise of fall ECW was when Mike awesome was under ECW contracts as the yeah. ECW world heavyweight champion and showed up on Monday nitro. Um, they would eventually have obviously a, a title match between Mike Awesome and Taz for the ECW championship while Taz was under contract with WWE and Mike Awesome was then yeah. under contract with WCW. So you heard about ECW because obviously WWE did some, some cross promotion where they allowed ECW talent to come in. I remember seeing one of the wrestling magazines when Jerry Lawler was in like this hardcore match with Tommy Dreamer and Tommy Dreamer, you know, you see Jerry Lawler's face just drenched in blood, like straight ECW. Like, you know, I don't think Jerry Lawler gets enough credit for what he did for for ECW. Like Jerry Lawler. I, I, I agree with you. And I was going to touch on that when we talk about it later. I totally agree with that. So, I mean, you got to think, you know, and, and I don't want to get on a tangent on the career of Jerry Lawler, but Jerry Lawler helped make pro wrestling mainstream with his angle with Andy Kaufman. Like people, mm -hmm truly believed that that was real. Like that was one of the only things that my dad and I had in common when it came to, um, to, to wrestling was the Andy Kaufman angle. And I, to this day, I, I don't think my dad ever knew that was a work. Uh, so, um, so, so yeah. So then, then you've got, so you've got him helping get wrestling mainstream with, with Andy Kaufman. And then you bring in ECW where he was such a good, bad guy for ECW um, in a sense of like extreme crappy wrestling and why Vince, why are you, why are you letting these guys come on our TV programming? Yada, yada, yada. And even in, even in, in what seems to be shoot interviews, he still talks about, I never understood why Vince wanted to help, help the competition. Um, but obviously Jerry Lawler to an extent had to sign off on it because he, 
got involved physically in angles with ECW talent and just the credit has to go out to him for, for being able to go out and, and really, uh, you know, I guess enhance what ECW was. So some really good stuff there. Uh, PJ, we've already talked about what our first introduction was. Um, having obviously gotten older with, especially with the WWE network, with all the ECW library, um, we've, we've both been able to sort of, I guess, go back and, and view the history of ECW. Yeah. Uh, do you have any sort of favorite ECW moments that you, that you have in mind that like when you either, you know, when you finally saw them, you know, back in the day, when you, we finally went and did some, you know, some YouTube searches, some pirating match searches, are there any ECW moments that stand out to you as like, wow, this was a really, really cool moment to see. Um, there are several. Uh, I went down the rabbit hole so hard with ECW that I started watching it episode by episode by episode. Uh, anytime I could find it, anytime I could pirate it, um, you know, and of course when the network came out, it was like, oh, yep, that's what I'm looking for, ECW TV. Um, there's so many great angles that you can look at. <clears throat> and Sandman and Raven comes to mind because they did such a great angle with Sandman, Sandman's son converting to Raven's flock or Raven's cult. And you'd have videos of Sandman's 10-year-old kid doing, you know, quote the Raven nevermore. And, I mean, it was the first time that you really saw, besides, like, I really can't think of one. You know, you see that later with, like, Dominic and, like, bullshit like that. But, like, it's the first time you saw, like, a very underage child in an environment like this. I mean, you know, Uh, that just doesn't happen. Uh, so I thought that really stuck out to me. Yeah, but before, get- before you move on, I do want to mention that that was probably the stepping point for an angle that involved Reed Flair on WCW Nitro. Yes, yes, I Reed mean, Flair, yes. That, that, that bringing a child and getting a child heavily involved in an angle very well could have opened the door. And we can talk about that later in the show, too, about what ECW's influence had on the rest of the business. But, yeah, Sandman, the Sandman Sun angle – very well could have led to a lot of the other children involvement angles in pro wrestling. So I'm glad you brought that up. And, you know, it's crazy to think about too, because this led to one of the most controversial moments on ECW television television. And it was when Raven crucified Sandman and put him on a cross with the barbed wire crown and everything. And Kurt Angle was in the crowd for that. Yep. And he was actually supposed to uh, get a contract and they were going to talk. And then uh, then the angle was like, I will, my lawyers will sue you if I'm shown on TV with that garbage. And obviously Raven came out and did a half-assed apology, whatever. I thought it was a fun angle. And, you know, we're still talking about it today. And let me ask you, what's the difference between that and Undertaker putting Stone Cold on a crucifix? Uh, you know, is so, there, and I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just saying, no, is there, there really a difference? I've always sort of wondered the same thing, but it was the imagery. So the biggest difference is the fact that when, when, uh, when Undertaker did it to Stone Cold, it was on like the Undertaker cross, right? It was the Undertaker, right. like the big T with the X through it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it was more uh, mythologically speaking from an Undertaker standpoint. The um, the ECW Sandman crucifixion was much more similar to the depiction of Jesus on the cross. Like you said, with the barbed wire crown, uh, you know, it was a wooden cross, like something you would see in the in the front yard of 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 a of a Klansman. Um, and then instead of taking him off the cross. To um, and, and not to mention, so you have to remember the Undertaker had his cross lift Stone Cold into the air. Uh, you know, obviously the cross that you know, if 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 you are religious or if you don't know what I'm talking about, um, you know, in in ancient ancient times when Jesus was crucified, those crosses were buried in the ground, and so you. I don't know. So the, the imagery, not well, only the wood, not only the, the straight wooden cross in the in the in the, the thorn crown, but then you had instead of them taking him off the cross, you had them uh, and them being the other wrestlers pick him up and carry him out of the arena on the cross. That imagery alone is much more similar to the biblical depiction of uh, 
you know, Jerusalem crucifixions, the crucifixion of Jesus. So uh, if, if Raven would have had the power of the force to, to, yes. to lift up Sandman and then put him, put him out. If they had, how much how much mythology was it when listen, Undertaker put Stephanie on the same cross to marry her against her will to take over the company? Uh, so again, uh, it's, it was it, no. <laughs> so listen, time, I like, know I, you I, are, but you know, I, yeah. but no, that, that's an argument that, that's had, and it's and it's a fair argument to have. Um, the the biggest difference is is imagery and budget, I guess. If uh, <laughs> budget, that's a if, big one. You're absolutely correct. If ECW had the budget to. Um, to give to give Ravens a better, uh, I don't know, a, a better faked crucifixion versus the the Undertaker's, uh, you know, like he's got supernatural powers and he's able to do this. Not to mention, so Stone Cold was not. Uh, again, when I think of imagery, the Crown Thorn wasn't put on Stone Cold. He was still awake before he got lifted up on the cross. Stephanie, although she was on the cross while the Undertaker was marrying her against her will. And speaking um, in tongues. And speaking in tongues, uh, she she was also wide awake and screaming for help. Uh, whereas, I mean, I guess that that's also to the point where. When, so let me let me ask you this: If ECW would have booked a match between Raven and God, um, that's another you, very fair can, point can to make. Think, yes. Can you think of Can you think of anyone else that's done that? Listen, we can get into a whole oh conversation. God. We can get into a whole gonna, conversation about I'm how pin God right in the middle of the ring. Yeah. One, two, three. Yeah, you know? we can we can get into a whole conversation about the scumbag that is Vince McMahon behind the scenes and his decision to have a, a match uh, against Shawn Michaels and God. I had to have a promo in a church like with the Listen, holy water. And like, yeah, I, I, um, you know, can I talk about those vignettes for a second? You know, off topic, Shane was gold in those vignettes, the way he's just kind of like stepping away from his dad, you know, like mayhem strike me down. And Shane just like steps away from him. I mean, you know, Shane, <laughs> I'm yeah. thinking about it. There's um, gotta be some reality in that. Like, God, we're, we're going to, yeah, vignettes. we're going to, we're going to be struck down for real. Yeah, no. So like, again, and, and that's where, and, and we'll get into it in here a minute when we talk about the legacy of ECW and what their impact was on the rest of the business. A lot of what ECW uh, did was very um, polarizing at the time. Uh, it was very, I mean, I don't, I don't know exactly how you say it. it. It was very inappropriate at the time. And it's still, I mean, to this day, it's still inappropriate. I and mean, there's a reason why out of all the things that ECW ever did, Raven had to apologize to the crowd. Mm -hmm. Uh, at that at that show, um, it break, well, just essentially break character and apologize for for having done it. So, um, I think those sorts of that that's that sort of angle helped lay the groundwork for people to let's replicate this, but let's do it where it, it's not as offensive. And I mean, you would imagine first of all, let, let's be honest, if you're an evangelical Christian, and that's what I'm going to call them because we're not going to turn this into a religious conversation here on the show um but if you're an evangelical christian you're probably not watching professional wrestling like no no probably not i mean like yeah i mean so like, you're, if you're if you're watching wrestling your favorite character was um reverend devon but even or, then or you, you, hate, or you, you hate or, or eugene like you, you know someone someone that's very mild mannered someone polite Probably. Who has the who has the same uh, who has the same IQ? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Listen. Um, oh, I, that was my one. That was my one. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. No. I like I said. Like so. You know. As and again, we're not making this religious conversation, but as someone who considers himself a believer, um, I am able to differentiate different art, yeah. art from reality, and I'm able to understand the concept of. Okay, they might be pushing this a little too far here, but at the same time, like until they have an angle where they are blaspheming the death of Owen Hart, or they are like, yeah, I know you're about yeah, to right. on your drink. Like, <laughs> God damn, <laughs> I know. Like, no, I mean, it's it would take something really serious. Like, so for example, and I, we're getting well, off topic I mean, they, again. They, they shat, they shat on, they shot on Eddie Guerrero. You know, Eddie Guerrero's so, no, no, so there's there's a di so there's a difference. So there's a lot of these there's a lot of these wrestlers that that passed away that made it very clear in within their lifetime that you know 
if it's if, if it came to a time where you needed to use me to get some nuclear heat, do it. I'm sure Luke Perry is is shine is, is smiling down on the angle with with Christian Cage and Jungle Boy right now. Um, yeah. I'm sure that Eddie Guerrero loved the fact that 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 Dominic and Ray are able to defend him posthumously. Um, well, when it, I gotta tell I gotta say that the one thing that you know I know that. Ray, Eddie would probably love is he probably loved the match that I was going to name next for ECW. And I'm, yeah. I'm trying to move on here. Um, Ray Mysterio and psychosis, November to remember in 95. Ooh, what a um, match. What that a match. match is just incredible. Uh, this was Ray Mysterio super green in his career, along with psychosis. Um, they tried to reenact this match a little bit uh, when they did the ECW one night stand. It wasn't as great, but God, this match was just incredible. And I know we're talking about moments here. But um, another moment that comes to mind that we really can't uh, step away from, and uh, this gentleman has passed, speaking of um, uh, wrestlers who have passed away, is the mass transit incident. <clears throat> I don't oh, want to talk too man. much into this because it's already been covered on Dark Side of the Ring. It's been covered in um, um, New Jack's Multiple book. documentaries, yeah. Uh, but if you don't know the mass transit um, incident, basically um, – it was supposed to be the Dudley Boys versus the Gangsters, which was, of course, New Jack and Mustafa. Yep, I believe that's right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, man, I don't know why I'm mad. I forgot about that. Anyway, so uh, Bubba was hurt or something, and they had to put in um, a replacement. And it was a gentleman named Mass Transit who was his character was he was like a, a, a he was like a like an A-train kind of thing. He was a bigger guy. Uh, he lied on his application, said that he was 21, but he was actually 17, something like that. I could be getting these facts a little bit, you know. Um, he was uh, he was underage. He was not he, he was, was not legally able to be working. Even if he lied that he was 18 and he was only 16, either way, he was yeah. not of 18 to be having a, a wrestling match with, with, with adults. So he straight up um, went up to New Jack and said, hey, this is what I want. This is what you're going to do in the match and all this. And New Jack has a reputation, had a reputation of being very violent, the ring shooting a lot, um, not taking care of his uh, fellow workers. That's just a fact. Uh, I mean, he tased a guy several stories up and well, maybe two stories up and, you know, had him fall. And, you know, anyway, so. Well, not to mention, let's, let's, let's not just skate, skate past this either. This is a guy who is not only a fill in for a, a major show, uh, but he is essentially a green worker. Like he's never had a match yeah. with ECW, and now he's going to tell a, a, a essentially a veteran in the a company what to do. This is what we're going to do. And New Jack is like, who the who the hell you think you're talking to? I'm I'm New Jack. Like you don't tell me what to do. Like you come and ask me what you want to do in the match. Yeah, and yeah. So he says. So he said, you know, I want to get a little bit of color. He goes, no problem. I'll get, I'll get you some color. Big mistake in the middle of the match. Mustafa takes Devon out of the mat, out of the ring, and it's just New Jack and, and uh, Mass Trezin in there, and they just beat the shit out of this poor kid. They take a scalpel and just scrape his head. I mean, you can see videos of him just stabbing him in the head, and he's bleeding everywhere. I mean, it's rough. Uh, Mass Transit um, was ended up really taking this incident very, very hard. He uh, committed suicide a few years later. Before that, he was trying to sue New Jack, but because um, he had lied on his application, he shouldn't have been there anyway. New Jack ended up getting off. Uh, I don't think he should have been prosecuted by by any means. Um, I think it was messed up what he did, but again, Mass Transit shouldn't have been there, and I'm sorry if you disagree. Um, it, it's a gruesome scene, but that is definitely a moment that lives in, EC, in, in, in ECW fans' heads. There's videos of it. There's, you know, him saying, like, I don't care if this fat piece of shit bleeds out right here. Um, you hear his dad, Mass Transit's father, on the side saying, like, he's only 17, like, screaming at it. And it's just it, – it's it's a bad scene, man. Yeah, That's so terrible. to your point, this is probably – when we talk about favorite moments, this is definitely not one of my favorite moments. But this is sort of the type of reputation – that wrestling purists would correlate to ECW is that they're unsafe. They're on, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they're, they're unsophisticated. Um, they're, you know, put, put the adjective on it. Um, this was, uh, essentially 
to me, it was one of the biggest black marks in professional wrestling history. And unfortunately, it cast a shadow on ECW, probably going all the way into ECW's demise. Because now, even though, like, you know, the situation came to light, we, everybody knew what happened. It was still one of those things like, well, who's going to come into ECW and have someone like New Jack take liberties with them in the ring? So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the uh, the mass transit incident was was definitely something that will live in infamy in ECW lore. Um, you know, some of my favorite ECW memories um, and, and by memories, I mean, things that I got to see later on, but that, that still stick in my mind. Um, I'm not sure if it's a moment, but it's just. The Dudley boys in ECW, mm-hmm. um, their ability to, so there was, there was, a, and, and let me backtrack a little bit uh, and to get off of ECW for a moment. There was a moment in WCW or the NWA when the four horsemen ganged up on dusty roads and Kayfay broke his leg inside a steel cage and the fans stormed the cage and yeah. Arn Anderson said that he was never more terrified. He thought someone he, he did not think they were going to get out of that arena alive. Watching some of the stuff that the Dudley Boys did and some of what the Dudley Boys said to the fans in their ECW careers would never fly. No. Uh, in, in today's wrestling. And you talk about new, we just talked about nuclear heat and talking about people who have passed the nuclear heat the Dudley boys were able to garner created for some of the best moments of ECW and to, to, and and some of the best um, ECW moments in general. Uh, I'm not going to go into detail. I'm trying to keep the show clean to considering we're going extreme here. Uh, But there was a, there was a, 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 I remember the, uh, it was a famous promo that it wasn't even a promo. It was Bubba Ray yelling to some girl in the, uh, he was basically making fun of people in the, in the arena and he, he made a comment about some girl who was taught how to perform a sex act by her mother. Um, I was I mean, wondering where you were going, and then I remember what exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah good stuff, good stuff. And so, so yeah, some of what the, the, the Dudley boys did was phenomenal. And so I went back and watched. Uh, we talked about the network and what you can find there. I watched a bunch of ECW on TNN. And Spike Dudley doesn't get enough credit for what he was able to do and the, the fans that he was able to get. Uh, I, man, I love me some Spike Dudley, considering he was like a high school principal or a high school math teacher and was able to, to make a wrestling career, you know, in between was, was fantastic. But, um, you know, one of my favorite moments came after the death of ECW, and that was uh, the ECW One Night Stand where Rob Van Dam won the ECW world championship uh, against, well, he won the WWE championship when he was basically gifted the ECW title uh, when he beat John Cena. And I believe it was the Hammerstein ballroom. Mm-hmm. And that was the, uh, the night that uh, I mean that you could tell that crowd missed new and loved ECW. And um, there was a borderline riot even before the match famously um, John Cena was that anti ECW. He was the, the blue collar WWE guy. Um, There's signs of Cena wins. We riot. Uh, Cena would always infamously throw his shirt into the crowd. Uh, I remember the fans cheered as the fan threw Cena's shirt back at him. Um, I mean, just, it was one of the craziest scenes that I have ever seen in pro wrestling. Um, and that was, I believe around 2005 ish. Yeah. And considering so the, that one was 2006, the very yeah. first ECW one night stand was 2005. Yeah. So the fact that this was four to five years post the, 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 the death of ECW um, man, what a scene that the ECW fans could still put on what what what's sad to me is that like ECW has been so far removed now that I'm not sure you'd be able to put on one of those shows and in and TNA slash Impact tried to do it a few times and it just didn't have the same allure because all the ECW originals have sort of obviously gotten older um, or or passed away. Unfortunately, you think of guys 
who were in um, ECW, Balls Mahoney. Um, who was his? Who was his? Axel Rotten. Axel Rotten. Um, so the guys that, that just couldn't go anymore. And it's funny we 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 talked about uh, we talked about moments. There's a guy that um, was a very famous professional wrestler. Um, I did not know started in Memphis in Jerry Lawler's territory. Um, Bam Bam Bigelow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, famously came from WWF uh, to join ECW, and uh, I think. One of my favorite moments was, I believe he was he was wrestling Taz for the world title, and uh, Taz had him in a sleeper hold or the Taz mission. He was up on Bam Bam Bigelow's back, and Bam Bam Bigelow dove backwards, and they both flew through the stage. Yeah, um, the imagery, yeah, the imagery from that was so good. Uh, so, you know, there's there's so many moments in ECW's uh, history. That, that you could chalk up there that are just that, that stick out in your mind. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, was, that was living dangerously 1998 when that happened. Yeah. And, and it was cool to see Bigelow dragging Taz's limp body out and pinning him. Um, yes. Really yes. fun stuff. I don't think it was for the title though. I can't remember, but I don't think it was for a title. Oh no, well, maybe it was the TV title. Maybe it's the, it, TV, it, title. the TV title. It could have been even it wasn't the FTW title was on the line, but but nevertheless, no. um, you know, something that I didn't I wasn't aware of until um, and, and, and forgive my my ignorance. But the. Um, Dusty Rhodes's involvement in ECW, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously things would, would sour with WCW for some time and he would go to ECW. He would have matches post his retirement. In ECW with, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Um, oh, it's going to drive me nuts because he's a producer for WWE now. Um, and I can see his face, but he had this big angle uh, in, in ECW. And um, I don't know, like I said, there's, there's so many moments in ECW history that it's hard to pinpoint a few. Um, but I think if uh, if if I was going to recommend, our you're not talking about Steve Carino, are you? That's it, Steve Carino. Steve exactly Carino had a match. About. Steve Carino had a match with Tajiri, I think, in like 2000. And before the match, to get heat on him and get a babyface rub on Tajiri, he started like shouting like racist Asian um, uh, remarks about Tajiri, and the crowd just just shat on him so yeah. hard. And uh, that match was really, really good to Jerry and uh, Steve Carino. I remember that one being super fun. Yeah. Steve Carino. I didn't, I, he, he, he had a decent run in ECW considering like, I don't think he was the greatest worker, but um, again, he was able to get some heat. And then obviously, you know, you talk about favorite moments and, and they're all, they're all easily found on the network. They're also easily found on YouTube. Some of the promos that were cut early ECW, whether it was, Steve Austin, after he had gotten released from WCW, whether it was Mick Fo- any of Mick Foley's infamous promos as Cactus Jack. He's hardcore. Yeah. He's hardcore. Yeah. The, the Tommy Dreamer kendo stick where we're – He's every- hardcore. Yeah. yeah. Um, you've got the, the Tommy Dreamer when, when everybody viewed him as another, like, pretty boy, which is funny because Tommy Dreamer is the – exact opposite of a pretty boy at this point but yeah um you know he won the crowd over with uh being beaten by sandman with kendo stick repeatedly like i don't there's again there's just so much to talk about that um that you know our audience could go and go into the, the peacock and and find stuff from ecw that they could they could sort of make their own opinion but there's there's some again ecw had some really fun memories that would uh that would that would transition and, and and be kickoff points to angles and other companies. Um, before we get into the legacy, there's two questions I've got for you, PJ. Your favorite ECW of all time, but then the greatest ECW superstar of all time, and are they are they different people to you? Like, so who is the greatest ECW wrestler of all time, and who's your favorite ECW wrestler of all time? Uh, my favorite ECW wrestler of all time is Sabu. Um, he just, he was what ECW was all about. Um, he broke the rules. He, you know, shat on, uh, he kind of shat on the establishment. He would say, fuck you to Paul Heyman. I'm going to go do this. Um, so professional, not even the slightest. Um, and anyone who has the original Sheik's, um, 
um, what's I'm looking for? Blessing is someone that I can get behind. So Sabu, big fan of his. The greatest ECW wrestler of all time. Um, you know, it's hard to talk about. You know, my mind wants to automatically just go to Rob Van Dam because he had it all. He really did. The athleticism, he had the passion. He had that arc, that hardcore feel without taking it all the way to the all all the way to the very end. Um, yeah, I, I kind of have, would have to say the greatest is Rob Van Dam. And we're missing so many. You know, we're missing Sandman. You know, talk about great moments. Sandman's entrance is a great ECW, ECW moment every time. Uh, Taz, you know, uh, that moment where he has been calling out Sa- – or Sabu has been calling out Taz. Or, excuse me, yeah, I was right the first time. Taz calling out Sabu, calling out Sabu, calling out Sabu. Finally, we see ECW barely legal. The lights go off. The lights come back on, and Sabu's in the ring. And he's waiting for Taz, and oh my God, um, you know. And I think we forget we kind of skipped over uh, what a great big deal that barely legal '97 was. Yeah, uh, and, it, and it skips over what could be um, the real greatest ECW worker of all time. That's Terry Funk, who at a large uh, or a, a a very long age, I think he was 60s, like in his 60s, did a triple threat match. A three-way dance, if you will, with Stevie Richards and Sandman, and then went on to face Raven for the ECW champion. That's amazing. And he was doing some shit that I mean, he did a moonsault off the top rope or off the top rope, off the ladder, I believe. And was any of those matches, any of those things really, you know, five-star worthy, Tokyo Dome, nine and a half star, beautiful toy story storytelling wrestling? No, probably not. But it was ECW, and it was great to see, and it was entertaining, and it did its job. ECW Barely Legal 97 has to go, and we've covered that, by the way, yeah. um, has to go down as one of the coolest, not the best, one of the coolest pay-per-views of all time. And it was such a great feeling of like, yo, we've got pay-per-view. We've got it because it went away, came back, went away, came back, and finally we got it. Um, so, yeah, that I think you know it's, it's got to be a tie. Yeah. Van Dam and, and, and Terry Funk, Terry Funk. Terry Funk, uh, and they've, they've mentioned it a few times on on talking about ECW. Terry Funk added legitimacy to ECW, right? So yeah. ECW, we talked about the, the you know, ECW is known for moments like mass transit. Terry Funk, guys, like even Bam Bam Bigelow to an extent, guys that were able to come in from WWF and add legitimacy to the brand was always something that, that was going to help launch ECW into that next phase. Yeah. So to, to your point, Terry Funk's, Terry Funk's legacy in ECW will always be that to me, is, is adding legitimacy to ECW. Um, I, when we talk about my favorite ECW wrestler of all time, um, you know, you mentioned Rob Van Dam having to be up there as the greatest, but I think he'd probably be my favorite ECW wrestler of all time. I mean, we talk about like tag teams. Like, obviously, I mentioned a few times. I love the Dudley Boys. I love everything they did. I love all the promos they ever cut. But going back and seeing what people could do, like, I know you mentioned Sabu, and he he was what sort of ECW was meant to be. But he was unprofessional, and oh, I very th- yeah, and I and and based on that, kind of like the. The whole what is it the the what's that show that, that comes on on NBC or whatever it's called? Um, based on his unprofessionalism, I'm out. Uh, so my favorite ECW wrestler of all time would probably I'd probably have to go and say and say Rob Van Dam because even when he would have to slow down and and make his matches and make his movements deliberate, it always seemed to flow so effortlessly. Like he was just, he was such a great worker. He wasn't ever the, the greatest promo. He cut some great promos. You talked about, about barely legal. He famously wrote, he, he cut that promo in that company that, you know, I'm the, I'm the best guy in the company. You would, you didn't even have yeah. me on the, on the pay-per-view lineup. Like I could take my talents to, to New York and be a star. Like, what are you guys doing to me? Um, so I don't know. It would have to be a tie up between him and believe it or not, Raven, like I was never, yeah. Yeah. I, I was never. So obviously Raven's Raven's persona, Raven's gimmick 
appealed to a specific segment of the population, right? He was an outcast. Um, you know, it was the, it, it was that the grunge, you know what I'm saying? ECW itself was grunge, mm-hmm. but within the, the grunge of ECW, you've got the grunge that was Raven, but considering he came from being Johnny Polo mm-hmm. uh, to being yeah. a, a, the character that Raven was and the fact that he could work like you forget how great of a worker he is because he wrestled in like baggy, sometimes jean shorts and a t-shirts and Raven knew how to work. He was, a, he was a, he was a multi-time champion. He, he held the tag titles uh, with, with Tommy dreamer after he left WCW, he came back. And, and famously won the tag titles with Tommy Dreamer, um, was involved in some of the greatest angles. So as far as my favorite ECW wrestler, I'd have to go between RVD and Raven. Yeah. Now, and they had fantastic matches as well. I mean, you, you know, someone else I want to talk about when you talk about Rob Van Dam. To me, my fa- and we, we'll, I'll say this, my favorite ECW match is hardly a hardcore match. And it's Rob Van Dam. And Jerry Flynn yes. at Hardcore Heaven 99. Jerry Flynn and Rob Van Dam, for some reason, had some of the best fucking chemistry of all time. Yep. I mean, it, it was just insane. I loved it. Loved yeah. It. Uh, we're going to get into that because there's a question that I that I, I want to pose before we move into the legacy part. But as far as the greatest ECW wrestler of all time, um, you know, you think of, of the gimmicks, right? So you think of some of the greatest gimmicks that they had. You've got um, – you know, the, the, the team of just incredible Lance Storm. You think of the Dudleys. You think of of of, of Axel Rotten and Chris Candido and, and Lance think, Storm. Yeah, Chris Candido. You think of some of the, the, the greatest gimmicks. And that's what, to me, when I think greatest ECW superstar of all time, there's two either two criteria you can go by. is greatest gimmicks or greatest performer ECW was able to put out. As far as a gimmick goes... Uh, I already mentioned Raven, but I think in as in as terrible of a wrestler, like true wrestler that I think he was, I think the greatest gimmick that that ECW ever had was Sandman, because he was he was a guy that would always come through the crowd. He was drinking beer before Stone Cold ever thought about it. Uh, he was smoking cigarettes on his way to like he was the epitome of what ECW's alternative format was. So from that standpoint, I would I would throw it on Sandman. However, when it comes to and, and I hate it because it's going to be the same same answer as my favorite wrestler. When it comes to overall over overall accolades, everything else, it has to be Rob Van Dam. I mean, Rob Van Dam was a world champion in TNA. He was a world champion in WWE. Uh, he was ECW champion in WWE. A multi-time intercontinental champion. Obviously, the hardcore championship was essentially we, we've talked about mid-card titles. He was essentially WC or WWE's answer to the television title, but it was also WWE's answer to ECW was the hardcore title. Uh, so from a standpoint of like transcendence from ECW, you like I said, you obviously had the Dudley boys and uh Bubba Ray, Bubba Ray Dudley was able to go do his own thing from a single standpoint too. Uh, but from a standpoint of like where you started off as a singles competitor um, in ECW to be the longest reigning TV champion they ever had, he, he basically owned that TV title until he broke his ankle. Right. Um, and then to be able to transcend, uh, if I'm not mistaken, well, I was going to say he, he was an ECW original to be a Hall of Famer, but um, when you think of when you think of the bodies of work of guys like Mick Foley, um, guys like Eddie Guerrero, even though they may have gotten their first big break in ECW, and even to that point, Mick Foley even got more of a start in WCW before he went to ECW. Um, but when you think of guys that were homegrown talent that did not go anywhere until they went under. I think of Rob Van Dam. Yeah. He never, he never, he never jumped ship to WCW. If he showed up in WWE, it was the cross promote ECW. Um, he didn't leave until the wheels came off and to be able to do that. And it's, it's, it's sort of like if sting 
would have stayed with WCW and then all of a sudden went to WWE and been a U.S. champion in WWE, been an Intercontinental champion in WWE, been WWE champion at some point. Like, Rob Van Dam to me is what Sting was to WCW. And to me, that's why I put RVD as the greatest ECW wrestler of all time. Now, I've got a question that I have not posed to you. Um, and so we're doing this on the fly here. If you had to say, let, let's let's go your top three. Who are your top three most underrated ECW superstars of all time? Um, while you're thinking, Flynn. I was Jerry. Yeah, I was going to say while you're thinking about it, number one on my list is Jerry Lynn. Yeah, Jerry, Jerry, yeah, Jerry Lynn, not Jerry yeah. Flynn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah J- Jerry Lynn. Yeah, very much so. Um, no argument. Underrated. Um, I'll say. Oh man, it's hard. Yeah, it's a hard Under, question, right? Underrated because and here's another thing: ECW's roster was so. I don't, I don't want to say small, but it was condensed that everybody got really good, decent TV time, and everybody got really decent pushes. Um, uh, from, but from like a global standpoint, like unless you watched ECW or knew ECW, like a lot of these guys, I mean, and there were guys that, that were in ECW that would get slight pushes in WCW and yeah. WWE. I'm talking a guy like Lance Storm. Like Lance Storm gets all of the, the, uh, the praise from people he worked with. But yeah. he, was ne- he was never a world champion. Uh, uh, he, wasn't, wasn't he WCW champion? No, he was United States um, champion. Because remember, they had the angle, the Canadian angle in WCW, where they had Jim Duggan turn on America, and the U.S. championship became the Canadian championship, and the little part on the belt that had the American flag, they put a Canadian flag crudely over it. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I think he he may have been Intercontinental champion, but no, Lance Storm was a guy who I think all of the people that he he ever worked with. Talk about what great, how great of a worker he was, uh, but I think his, um, I think he gets overshadowed because maybe his lack of of, of charisma on the mic may have, um, you know, may have turned, you know, may have been a negative mark against him. If that makes sense. Um. So obviously, we can say Jerry Lynn. Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. Um, I'll say. I mean, Lance Storm, I kind of want to say Lance Storm, but I feel like there's people who are even more underrated. So I'll say, okay, I'll say, okay, I got it. So I'll say Chris Candido. I'll say, uh, I'll say Chris Candido, uh, Jerry Lynn, and number one most underrated, who is only known for really for going up against Shane Douglas for the first ECW title, and that's Two Cold Scorpio. Oh, yes. Um, Honorable mention, Perry Saturn should have gotten a little bit of a singles run. That's what I'll yeah, say. Yeah. Two Cold, Scorp- Two Cold Scorpio has got to be the most underrated because he was so just naturally great. Oh, he was. Fantastic in the ring. Could hang out on the mic. He was entertaining as fuck. There's a reason WWE wanted him uh, before almost anyone else in ECW. Um, yeah. Yeah, criminally too, underrated. Too cold, Scorpio. If he was in, if he was time travel, too cold, Scorpio from the late nineties into today's wrestling business, he would at least be a mid card champion somewhere. Like, oh, he it, would have. He would have the somebody call him a mama. I mean, that would be the, the that fact, would be him. The fact that that his downfall was his marijuana usage is why he never got as big as he did. And in today's yeah. culture, it's a lot less frowned upon. I mean, I think I think uh, very quietly, WWE has even stopped testing for marijuana, and they even put out a shirt on 420 for RK-Bro because, yeah. um, you know, they, they make constant um, – I mean, Riddle is basically what, what RVD was in ECW mm-hmm. now. So, um, yeah, I, I love your list. Um I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Jerry Lynn, Lance Storm, and I'm gonna go to Cold Scorpio as well. Um, PJ, let's let's try to wrap the show up here. Um, what would you say is the legacy of ECW? And 
are we continuing to still see the impact on ECW or has the style of wrestling that was once made famous in ECW transcended even further at this point in the business? The legacy of ECW is no other answer than Paul Heyman. Yep. Paul Heyman is the legacy of ECW and he will continue to be the legacy of ECW. I mean, um, yeah, it's, it's hard. It, it, it's really hard to, to, to argue with that. Uh, and yes, we are still seeing the effects of ECW. I don't care what anyone says. The fucking attitude error in WWF came from ECW. Yeah, 100%. It, it came, you know, there's so many people that argue like, well, you know, they were doing that before. No, 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 no. Um, they saw how much, how over it was, it was getting. And they, WWF being they, uh, wanted to capitalize on that. It's, it's, it's. They never it went all the time. They never went. And they don't deny it either, by no, the way. They never went, and I'm, and I, you know, pun intended, they never went to the extremes that they did until ECW started it. Yeah. You know, you know it's very famous that, that Paul Heyman went on record to say that they, their rosters got raided by, by WCW and in WWE. Uh, Eric Bischoff always says, I never raided ECW, but. It's clear when you got when you have guys like Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, Raven, Mike Awesome, uh, Lance Storm. Uh, I'm trying to think of how Bam Bam Bigelow left ECW, went to WCW for the paycheck. Yeah. Uh, pl- plenty of guys left ECW to go to WCW. So if Bischoff wasn't rating them, somebody with WCW was. Yeah. Um, so to your point, Paul Heyman, the mind that Paul Heyman had for the business was ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. If Paul Heyman either had the financial backing of, I mean, you got to think of, of, and I think of it in today's today's perspective. So, if ECW ever went public um, and had the had the money of a publicly traded company, or the financial backing of an independent owner like, say, a Tony Khan, a Vince McMahon, I feel that ECW, and, and not to mention a TV contract better than TNN. Yeah, uh, I feel like ECW would still be around today in a different context because they had to change at some point. Like the blood and guts that was ECW consistently to Vince McMahon's point was not sustainable. Right. There had to be a change, but I feel like if somebody could have had the money and said, Paul, we love your vision, but we need to sort of, and and you don't want to say like, like let's, let's tone it down. But we need to tone it down because we have to. We have to continue this business going. Let's yeah. keep your ideas, but keep it toned to a point where we can make you rich beyond your wildest dreams. Pay our our talent where they don't go anywhere. I feel like ECW would be what what Impact or what TNA turned into, uh, not what they are now. But I feel like ECW could have taken the momentum of WCW sale to WWE and become what TNA tried to be. Yeah. And with the mind of Paul Heyman furthered that uh, legacy and ECW could still be going today. You could have a three-way war between uh, AEW, WWE and ECW at this point. You know, I, I, I think that there's always an audience for that shit. I mean, you got to remember we have exploding ring matches in Japan that draws well, a crowd. By the well, way. GCW still puts on death matches. Like yeah, so I, I, I really think that ECW could could survive in this world, most definitely. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, no, no argument at all. Could it survive in this world? Even backyard wrestling back in the day with the whole insane clown posse bullshit. They had two video games. Yep, they did. Somebody, somebody, somebody was enjoying them. I mean, yeah. not not me because I hate the insane clown posse. But oh, you know I what? see. I, anyway, yeah, yeah, ICP is a. Uh... I don't know. It's funny because they had they both they had runs in both WWE with the oddities and then in WCW with Van mm-hmm. Vampiro Vampiro. Uh, sorry, mm. <laughs> uh, but but I digress. Yeah, I think to your point, the legacy of WCW will always be uh, that of Paul Heyman, uh, with the idea that someone so ahead of their time in the wrestling business and so open to uh, collaboration with the talent is something that uh, is, is sort of missing today. I mean, AEW tries it to an extent to let their, not to give their, their talent 
total creative control. But to say, hey, what do you guys want to talk about? Are you cool with him talking about this? Are you cool with her talking about that? All right, let's do it. Put it on TV. Make sure you don't, you know, don't get too ugly with it. And we'll, you know, we're fine. Whereas a, a program like WWE is so overly scripted that yeah. talent was like, I'd rather go work indies. I'd rather have some freedom. Yep. And so I think um, now, as far as the, the actual, like you said, there's there's always going to be an appetite for the type of, of hardcore extremism that ECW was. But I think that every single show that somebody puts on every single big show, be it the all or nothing, the, the blood and guts that they put on, which is basically AEW's war games, yeah. be it WrestleMania, uh, you know, hell in a cell, Somebody is always trying to one-up the thing that happened last month, last year. Uh, and so if ECW had not laid the groundwork for some of the extreme stuff they were doing, this constant escalation of risk-taking, of, um, of weaponry, if you will, of, of the extreme – would not be where it's at today. I don't think that it's something, again, that's sustainable, but without ECW, a lot of things that they've done, uh, even that they did back then, would never have gotten done. You wouldn't have had mankind flying off a, a hell in a cell through, a, through an announce table. You would have never had Shane McMahon falling off the top of a, of a, a pay-per-view sign to the floor below. Uh, you know, you never would have had even the 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 incident that, that prevented WWE uh, wrestlers from, from blading or, or supposedly from blading with, with Eddie Guerrero uh, was hit so hard with the chair and, and cut himself yeah. too deep. You wouldn't have had that had it not been for ECW. Um, yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. There's much, much more to say. Plenty of podcasts that talked about ECW. Uh, there've been multiple documentaries uh, that, that you can go check out the rise and fall of ECW, the best of ECW. If you have Peacock, the rise and fall of ECW is one of the greatest DVDs that yeah. the, in documentaries that WWE ever fucking put out bar none. The two, yeah, the two, I, I think the two single best documentaries that I ever saw um, from a, from a standpoint of, of old companies are the rise and fall of WCW and the rise and fall of ECW that rise and fall of ECW to this day is probably my favorite wrestling documentary outside of maybe the dark side of the ring about Owen Hart. I would um, recommend that to anybody. Oh, I honestly. agree. Yeah. If I guess that's, that's the biggest thing we talk about legacy and this, that, and the other, if you have before listening to this, this, to this program, which if you're listening to the show, you more than likely have an, an idea of what ECW was. If you have no idea, if you have no history, no, no experience with ECW, Simply watch the documentary, The Rise and Fall of ECW, available on Peacock, free free plug because I don't get paid by Peacock. I wish I did because, ooh, I'd, I'd have my own Boy, studio. <laughs> uh, but The Rise and Fall of ECW will inspire you to want to watch more of the old ECW content also available on, on Peacock. Uh, PJ, I appreciate you. I think this is your idea to do this show. Uh, so I appreciate not only the the idea, but I appreciate you being on the show with me today, bud. This has been fun. Yeah, this is super fun. I had I did have this idea. It took us a while to actually execute it because we have lives. But uh, yeah, this was so fun. I loved it, um, and I would like I I would talk for hours about ECW. I love it so much. We barely scratched the surface. Maybe one day we can do a part two. This is amazing. Love it. Yeah, and if you guys, if anybody listening has anything specific in ECW they'd like us to cover, be it a pay-per-view, be it an angle, be it a superstar, reach out on social media, tapouts and TDs on Twitter, facebook.com slash tapouts and touchdowns, email to the show, tapouts and touchdowns, gmail.com. Uh, you know, let us know what you'd like us to cover because I promise you, there's always something that we can that, that, that we can reach out to. So uh, once again, that's been the show this week. We got some fun stuff coming. I uh, hope you hopefully you've enjoyed the shows that we've had the last few weeks. Hopefully you'll enjoy the content coming. Don't forget with football season right around the corner, PJ Steven, not so much interested in this, but we've got some football shows coming up uh, between uh, fantasy football previews, maybe some, some football uh, standing football uh, predictions for the upcoming season. We've got football shows coming 
in the next few weeks. So tap outs and touchdowns will be fully intact talking about both pro wrestling and pro and fantasy football. Uh, But that being said, that's it for this week. Uh, Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time for PJ Steven. It's your guy, Bully Rye, for tap outs and touchdowns. I'll be around.